Hello, welcome to this bonus episode of Philosophy. My name is uh, Will Anderson and today Marty Sheargold in this little episode. Uh, Marty Sheargold is an absolute legend of Australian comedy and he's back doing stand-up, particularly at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. The rest of the places, it's hard to get a ticket to Marty, to be honest. But if you are going to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, you can go and see his show. He will talk a little bit about that in this very bonus episode and of course a full-length episode coming up in a few weeks speaking of shows at the melbourne comedy festival my show will legal which is my show about being arrested i'm doing it in melbourne for the very last time so 10 shows only selling fast at the comedy theater if you want to come and see that tale one story told uh, basically 36 hours of my life and uh, it's told over 70 minutes and you can come and see the entire thing uh, the second half of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I'm doing my improvised show. What you talking about, Will? Completely improvised show, made up on the spot each night. No two shows are the same. Come along and see that. It's a very exciting and fun night of stand-up comedy. So if you've seen Will Eagle before, come and see one of the improv shows. Um, or, you know, come and see both shows. You can come and see more than one of the improv shows because they're obviously different shows every night. So that would be brilliant. But before that, um, in fact, when you're hearing this, I will be in Adelaide for the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Uh, I missed last year in Adelaide. And uh, very excited to be there with my show, Will Informed. Uh, It's the show that I did at the Melbourne Comedy Festival last year, but with a whole bunch of brand new material, including some that on Tuesday night, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, uh, tonight there are still a few tickets available. There might not be by the time that you hear this, but the first couple of nights are cheaper previews and you can come along and see some absolutely brand spanking new material. But I've only got 60 minutes, so I think I'll be changing it up a bit from night to night so uh come along and see will informed at the adelaide fringe festival perth brisbane and a whole bunch of other places already on sale comedy.com.au for tickets but in the meantime enjoy this episode with marty sheargold Marty Sheargold's here. Hello, Marty Sheargold. Hello, Will Anderson. Uh, this is the plug cast. This is the plug that you're coming up as a guest on Philosophy, but also it's the plug, your stand-up shows that you're doing. So you, Adelaide, you nearly sold out, basically. So yeah. if you're in Adelaide and you want to get a ticket Good to luck. Marty Sheargold, good luck. Good luck. I think maybe that the, the final Sunday, there's a few there. A final uh, Sunday's a good time to come and see you. Yeah. There's a fair chance you'll go out on the final Saturday night. <laughs> well, you know what I did? I went out on the fi- on the final Sunday of my first little bit yeah. of Adelaide. And it was great because I forgot I forgot what that festival community is like where you stand mm. backstage and have a beer. It's fun, right? It's great. Yeah. Because- no, Adelaide Fringe Festival is fantastic because yeah. there's so many good comedians around. And because Adelaide, the city you know, focuses in on that Fringe Festival. Everybody's in the same space. You're really running does. into people. And the know. Clipsal's on there now, if they still call it that. <laughs> yeah, they like, don't, I don't think. But. This is Adelaide's time. <laughs> well, it's Mad March, right? That's what they call it. It's crazy They do there. everything. WOMAD is on, the Riders Festival, the Arts Festival, the Fringe Festival. Right. Uh, the Adelaide Cup is in this period of time. And, of course, yeah, the motor race, the Clipsal, were the formerly known as the Clipsal. Formerly known as Clipsal. You know, I realised when I was over there, the last time I did that festival was 96. 96? 96. <laughs> when it had a different hub yeah. that was in a different part of the city and there was a lot more feral dudes juggling fire and 
There was a real <laughs> sitting in the street smoking pot thing going on. <laughs> a bit of that's changed. Yeah, they're much more strict about yeah being in the street smoking pot these days. But even like the whole setup is just yeah crazy. So um, so Adelaide, you've already so that's done Adelaide. shows, and then, and then Melbourne, Melbourne uh, for the fest there from the twenty fifth of March. And then... How many shows are you doing in Melbourne? I'm doing a few in Melbourne, like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So... Is that the longest run of shows you will have done in a row? Yes, that'll be the longest run I'll do in a row. So because I'm sort of going out for weekends or three and four night hit outs, and then Melbourne I'm doing a couple of weeks in a row, which I'm looking forward to. When was the last time you did Melbourne doing stand-up? Like the festival? The last time I did that festival would have been 2000 and two or two, 2002 or maybe 2001 or maybe 2003 but it was in that window Any and i did a show I around did a sh- 9-11 yeah <laughs> i did a show with two other blokes called the trade i wasn't even uh. doing stand-up i know so, that's not true bobby franklin and i at the uh. same time were doing a show at the comics lounge okay um so i was doubling down i was doing one at like seven thirty or 8 and then getting in the old subaru the 84 subaru Drive up to the comics lounge for Bob and I to die for another night in front of a group of bogans from the <laughs> suburbs. We used to open that show pretending we were ice skating. It's like, I don't know if this one's going to work, Bobby. <laughs> Every night we'd sit back and go, what can we cut? <laughs> Ended up being a six-minute show. <laughs> well, it only, only burnt you for 18 years. Oh, mate, I could go back. I said, no way, that's me done. Why, do, why have you come back? That's the interesting thing to me because you took such a long break, really, from... Were you doing any stand-up in between? Were you occasionally doing a gig or anything? No, How no. long did, were you really kind of... Like from when you stopped doing stand-up to when you've come back to do stand-up, what would have been the period of time in between that? Oh, I'd say really probably 15, 16 years. Wow. I know. Isn't it ridiculous? It just got so long. It just got such a long... Did you think you were coming back? Did you think that you were ever going to do it again? I just... I I did. I just... The break just got bigger and bigger until it felt insurmountable. Right. About that sort of four or five year mark, I just went, oh... (laughs) I've really let that go. <laughs> yeah. And mutual friends of ours would be like, you've lost your mind. Why have you let it go? And I was like, I don't know why I let it go. It just happened. And then it sort of became this huge yawning sort of gap where I was like, and what I subsequently found out is going back to start again was as hard as I thought it was going to be. It was? Tell oh, me a yeah. little bit about that. Well, that was just going back and sort of doing spots, you know, five, ten minutes in sort of three or four sheltered workshoppy rooms. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, doing the Nanagoon Football Club. So I made it as easy for myself as I could, but I'd forgotten all of that sort of, oh, it was like being punch drunk the first few. I sort of had a memory of how it should feel, but it wasn't feeling that way. And what sort of material were you doing in the first few? Were you going back to old stuff or were you coming with new material? I was coming with a mix of both, but the old stuff was sort of a different version of me that I didn't, that I hadn't sort of culled out of my mm-hmm. life. And so then the new stuff that I was doing was exciting, but it was also failing a lot as well. So I was really on the back foot. So I'd do, you know, I'd be driving home thinking, oh God, that's right. <laughs> 
That's right. <laughs> this is why this I didn't is do it for hurt. 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm going to have some tough chats <laughs> about overcommitting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went through that and I was like, oh, well, it's good to fail. And it is good to fail. You do believe that? Absolutely. Were you always good with failure or is it something that now as you're older and you've got more experience, you recognise how good failure is? Yeah, definitely. I was never great with failure as a young comic and I think that froze me in a lot of ways because I did the same sort of 20 minutes. For, but keeps you safe, doesn't it? Keeps you safe. And yeah. You, yeah, you had that patter and you knew it inside out and it meant you didn't fail. So you had a, f- a period of failing. You don't, fail, you don't fail, but you don't grow. That's, no, that's That's right. the trick, right? That's right. Well, or you grow more slowly than those who are taking bigger risks. Exactly. And I didn't... And to be fair, you know, when we sort of came onto the scene and we're, we're pretty close to contemporaries, mm. no, there was no next level. There, no. You, you, you and Jim Owen and a, and a couple of, like, Dave Hughes... There was a handful of dudes that, even after I'd stopped, started to sell theatres. That wasn't happening. So there wasn't a progression. You sort of, you were a room-working comic looking for another job. Yeah, that is the case. And people find that hard to believe. I was talking to someone for, I think this is my 25th year that I've done something at the festival. And uh, they were saying, what was it like back then? And I said, well... There was no progression. Like no. kids, kids rightly get into it now because they go, "I'll go into comedy and I'll become, you know, a stand-up comedian. I'll be on radio or TV or yeah, I'll write right. a book or a there's play or, you know, you know, or I'll be a writer for a show." Or there's so many jobs around the comedy industry mm. that you can find a profession through it. But back when we started doing it, there were certainly people who were already. I mean, Richard Stubbs and people like that, Wendy Harmer, who had mm. had, you know, breakouts into media jobs, but it wasn't a path that was well-worn and well-trodden for people. No way. Why did you do it? Like, why were you doing it back then? I was doing it because I'd been punted from the v- the Victorian College of the Arts acting course mm. and I was working behind, living in a group house in Gertrude Street in Fitzroy and working at The Last Laugh. And so I sort of stumbled across it, to be fair. And I used to sort of wait tables and watch these dudes on stage like the Found Objects and the Scared Weird Little Guys and guys like Greg Fleet, um, Shane Bourne. And then I'd spend as much time as I could backstage chatting with them because they were fun dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just sort of transitioned into having a tilt at it. But, um, yeah, there was no... Really, I was still bruised from being told after the first year of acting school that maybe there's other things I should be thinking about. (laughs) I was like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Really? I thought I was going all right. Sure, I've been stoned a bit. (laughs) Isn't everyone? I can remember the dean of the school. Dave. Thought I've got to find myself a profession where being stoned all the time is. <laughs> I thought we were all welcome, stoked. Marty. You know the dude that kicked on from that year, you might, he, Jason Clark. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he's got a great career. He's in got a fantastic career. Yeah. So he was the dude from our year that mm. that really was it recognisable back then. Could you tell? Do, there was, was something he, about him. Absolutely, yeah. he was he was a real enigma. He wasn't a big chatter, and he wasn't a social guy. I don't reckon I've ever had a beer with him. Uh, I know he's sober now, but I don't reckon I ever had a beer with him at the time. We weren't mates. He he was powerful, even then, in that real sort of 
you know, Brando-esque yeah. way. Masculine. He gets... Very masculine. He gets cast in a lot of masculine roles. He does. Yeah. But from memory, he was a nice guy. We just didn't have a lot to do with each other. Mm. Because I was a stoner doing ball. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like thinking about being a proper yeah. actor. This guy's going, I want to end up in Hollywood, not at the last laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like, yeah. hang on, mate, you should see the soup. <laughs> <laughs> Relax, buddy, you'll be um, fine. Was your first gig at the last laugh? Did you do your first gig? No, my first gig, gig was at the SB in June 93. Sunday? Sunday uh, afternoon at the SB? Yeah, Sunday afternoon at the SB. Yep, that's right. And. Um, I had to borrow my mate Dino Glennon's shirt because I didn't. Have, I thought I had to wear a nice shirt, and I didn't have a nice shirt. But unfortunately, he was about six foot six, so it was like a nighty. I should have. I should have bloody crop topped it and tied it up at the front. It was a comedy smock. It was a comedy smock. A bit Billy Connolly esque. Billy Connolly was into wearing sort of your over yes over, your type outfits. So that was fine, and that one went okay. And so then it just sort of you know continued on. I remember, I tell this story often, it, it comes up a bit on this podcast, so it's nice to have you here to talk about it. You emceed the uh, third gig I ever did Is that in right? my life. Yes, uh, at the SB on a Sunday. Right. First one, Steve Bedwell. Okay. Uh, second one uh, was an uh, was at the Ink Spot or the Inkerman Hotel. Yeah, was there on Inkerman Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tough little room at times. Oh. <laughs> okay, you'll love this. <laughs> so I do my first spot at the SB. Kills in that say in that way that sometimes your first spot can be does. the best gig you do in the first like two years of you doing stand up comedy. Yeah, partly I think because you don't know anything. No, right, and all that just enthusiasm and adrenaline and the audience can tell that you're new and it's your first. It comes across as being authentic or legitimate in a way that you then spend the next two years. You know, thinking you know everything and or taking you're chasing your, the dragon, right? Yeah. And, and you get further and further away from that sort of authenticity. But mm. so my first gig kills, like genuinely kills. And of course, in that you know thought you have, I'm like, man, I'm going to be on like telly in like six weeks. You know? <laughs> like I am. Yeah. I thought I was going to be good at this, but yeah. I am really, really good at this. This is going to plan. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine anything's going to go wrong with this. Sure. So this dude comes up to me afterwards, and uh, he says to me, he goes, "I run, you know, this gig at the the Ink Spot in St Kilda." He goes, "How long have you been doing comedy for?" And I, oh, I don't know, Marty, what has made me say this in this moment, but. I just thought, I can't say I've done one gig, yeah, right? Yeah. So I say six months. Because in my head, I calculate yeah. that how well I've gone, I'm definitely as good as someone who's been doing <laughs> yeah. it six you're, you're months. You're at the six-month mark. <laughs> yeah, that's what that I That you've think, arbitrarily right? decided on. <laughs> so he says, come down and do, um, uh, could you do 10 minutes at the ink spot? Now, I only had five. Well, technically, I probably had three and a half <laughs> and some enthusiasm. But, yeah, sure. but you know, I'd, yeah. I'd prepared five and I thought, well, you know what, I can probably... Have a stretch. I can probably do 10. This yeah. five went pretty well, right? Yeah. Stretch. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, I can stretch. <laughs> yeah, you'll be right? fine. And that's what you got to do, stretch. Five is hardly any yeah. amount of time <laughs> <laughs> when you're stretching <laughs> from three. <laughs> So I go down there and it's so exciting. I get there way early, right? 
There's no one in the room at this stage. Turns out later on in the night, there was going to be barely any more people in the room. But when I first got there, there's no one there. I'm literally the first person to arrive. The guy who's setting up the gig hasn't, like, I'm so excited. Because now I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm great at this. This is going to be amazing. Look at this. I'm doing 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the girl behind the bar gives me a free drink. First time I'd ever got a free drink doing comedy. I'm like, how good is this? Yep. She's like cute. She smiles at me. I'm going, this is amazing. Uh, Duke uh, gets there who's running the gig and he says to me hey uh, I think it was actually Brad Oaks who was meant to be emceeing that night but whoever it was was running a little bit late mm. would I have any problem going on and maybe doing you know like starting the show instead of like you know Brad and Brad could take of. over Unheard later of. right and he says look you'll probably only be 20 minutes late if you could just do 20 minutes 20 <laughs> so so now Jeez. my three and a half that's been stretched to five that I was going to stretch to ten is now, now is, twenty. It's that tiny little bit of cordial left. If in he the, turns up. If he turns <laughs> up. <laughs> oh no! And it went. What did what did it end up being? Ted talkish or it, I? <laughs> I made the mistake. What I should have done in retrospect is, well, not agree to it in any way, but yeah, what I should just, have done yeah. in retrospect is probably done my five. Yeah. Like the five that I had just done it. Yeah. Try to win them over yeah. that I was funny and then worked it out from then on. Yeah. But instead what I did was stretch. Yeah. So I literally did that five over 20 minutes, which yes. just meant even the good bits in the five were lost, were terrible. You know, just lost in this mess that I was doing. Oh and God. I remember handing it over to Brad and, and I went to the bar mm. and the girl working behind the bar would not make eye contact no, no, with no. me. You've lost her. <laughs> <laughs> She's seen other guys stretch. <laughs> she was hoping for more. <laughs> oh, it's um, awful. Isn't so it? then, so uh, my friend Lyndall McElwain, who you know, yes, of course, and uh, I had spoken to her, and I said, "Look, I, I don't think I'm going to do it again. It was such a horrible experience." Oh, right, okay. so I said, "I don't think I'm going to do it again." And she goes, "Well, you've had one really great gig, and you've had one really terrible gig. Why don't you just do a a third one to decide whether it's a." Um, Mm. Whether it's going to, you know, like at least you've got a, you know, deciding vote. Sure. You know, in your gigs. Best of three. So Trevor had already booked me in for another Sunday. Yep. Uh, which you were hosting. Right. So this was my circuit. Is, is this an awful, is this me being awful? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to be. <laughs> Given I know myself quite well. <laughs> well, I'm going to put it in the context of uh. I was... Super, super worried because, of course, I'd had this horrible experience last time. Mm. So I'm super nervous about everything. What year is this? How far into oh, my no, career are you? I don't know. Like, what year did you start? 93. Yeah, so only maybe... I reckon this is 94 or 95, right? right? So you know, so I'm still end new of at it as well. You're, yeah, you know, but you're hosting on the Sunday, so you're clearly, you know... New at it. <laughs> Cheap. To me, it seemed like a big deal. If someone's hosting the Sunday, to me, looking at comedy, that I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so you're hosting the Sunday, and uh, you go out there, and you you're about to introduce me, and an easy mistake to make, by the way. Why? You call me Will Robinson. Oh, you God. know, Lost in Space, Will Robinson. Of course, right? right? Yeah. I mean, you're out there, like you've got. It's Sunday. You've got like 14 names that you're going to roll through. You've not I just met go any Will of Robinson. them before. I would have been stoned as well, no doubt. Probably stoned. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Jason Clark would not have. He would no, not have approved. Not have approved But of he this. would have acted with his hands. But my favourite bit about it was that, so you go, Will Robinson. Yeah. 
And then you just walk off like the back of the SB as you do, right? You know? Yeah, straight out the back. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that because no one in the audience knows that my name isn't Will Robinson. Yeah. I don't really care. It's not going to affect the act. None okay. of it's about my last name being Anderson or anything. Great. So I start, and then you come back. Have clearly got to the back, realized, seen the lineup or something, yeah. realized you've said the wrong name. Oh no! So you come back, oh. and I'm about to launch in, and then suddenly you're just there. Oh, like, sorry, mate. Next to me. Oh, how awful! And I'm like, what's going on? And you're like, back. You're like Anderson. Hey. <laughs> Enjoy the stylings. Anyway, how awful! No, no. Well, it could have been awful, but it were it, mm. it for whatever reason. I mean, you're hosting, yeah. So they're probably more enthused to see you come back out and have some fun than they are to see some kid oh that they've God. never seen before. So it didn't. It, it was a good set. Like it didn't in any way ruin the set. But it is one of my the the best most distinct of, early comedy memories. Well, I have one of those with Anthony Morgan as the MC who introduced me one night at the SB early on by going. I can't remember his name. He reckons he's funny. See what you think. I wasn't even sure whether I should walk on. Do you know, I thought, is that, is that the intro? Well, of course it is because he's already walked past me. Right. <laughs> As I'm thinking, do I? Is that? Surely that can't be it. I've never forgotten that one. That was about as dismissive as bringing on another comic could be. It was awful. Um, so coming back to it then, you know, you know it's going to be hard. Like, I mean, you've been doing comedy consistently in that time, so it's not like you've been away from comedy because the biggest thing that you fear about going away from comedy and, like, I saw, and I won't name this person because this story's not even meant to be cruel, but it's just an example. Somebody who was a very famous big comic ended up doing a whole bunch of radio for years and not doing any stand-up. And then came back to stand up and I went and saw their show. And their show, if you'd seen it 15 years ago, you would have gone, this is a brilliant show. Mm. There was actually technically nothing wrong with the show other than it looked like you were watching a special from 15 years ago, you mm. know. And they had just lost touch with what it was that people were, mm. you know, laughing about in comedy rooms. Did you fear any of that or did you feel like because you've been doing all these other things in the comedy world that you would still have a good feel for it? No, I, I still fear that actually, having a feel for it. But then you know what I said to myself? I thought, well, and this has been a sort of a bit of a thing that I've always held on to, uh, held on to is that I realised at some point in my life that I could only be myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I've sort of carried that through my work. And whether I'm moving in an area that the rest of the sort of fraternity isn't moving in, I don't really know mm. because I'm so out of touch with it. I don't know whether we're talking about ScoMo or <laughs> mispronouncing Greta Thunberg. I don't know what any of us <laughs> are doing anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah, so in a lot of ways it's probably a great thing. Yeah. Because that's all that you're trying to work towards anyway is doing your own thing. Yeah. and So and what is that? What is your own thing? Well, like- it's sort of – it's just – I've, I've always felt as you've got to have a harder edge and a strong opinion. You don't even necessarily have to believe it a lot of the time. Right. As long as it's not affecting some sort of social justice issue, I think you've got to be taking a side. And sometimes you can go home and go, I just had the most ridiculous day where I took a position that I don't believe in for a second 
but it it had a good outcome because it, you know, right. generated yeah. chat. I'm happy to you know pursue this intellectual thought bubble. Exactly, mm. and so I think you've got to you've got to sort of in in our work in the media or certainly my work, you've got to take a strong position. Um, otherwise, it's all a bit vanilla, and you know, it's sort of. It ends up being quite... It's pretty disposable at the best of times. Uh, so you went back to stand-up. You did a little bit of a mini-tour last year. Yeah. Kind of dip your toes back in the water tour. Is yeah. that what it was? Well, no, that was going to be it. Oh. Um, so that was going to be the tour. That was the... And then it just went so well that you added more shows. Yeah. Is that basically what happened? Yeah. So the, I'm working with Artie Lang, who, who runs a business called A-List. And I just... I, you know why I rang him? Because I was... In the process of being cast as one of the um, new hosts of the AFL footy show with Anthony Lehman and a group of guys down there. And I got right through this process and then they started just, you know, adding stuff to it towards the end. And I was like, I can't do this. And I rang an old mate of mine and said, what do you reckon? What do you reckon about this? This doesn't, I I don't know how this is. And he goes what if you spent the amount of time you're about to put into that show doing something for yourself? And, you know, sometimes you just hear the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I rang Artie Lang the next day, literally, and said, mate, let's have a tilt. Let's have a real soft start. And the plan was, you know, maybe we could sell, you know, 10,000 tickets in the next couple of years and really just ease me back into it. Well... Yeah, the original plan was to try and sell three and a half and just do one show in each capital city. And now here we are and I'll probably wind it all up in May. <laughs> it's good though. That's it exciting. It's great. And it's great. So where was the first time you did an hour when you got back to it? Where was the first the place f- that you actually stood on stage? It was know, a little joint in Ackland Street. You know what used to be the old cinemas and mm-hmm. now they've turned them all into theatres. Um. Um, so that was the first first time I did an hour. And what was that like? Yeah, going back in. Because like doing spots, yeah, sure. You know, you get back into it. You yeah. do five, you do 10, you do 20, all those sort of things. But that first time that you yeah. plant your feet for, feet for an entire hour, what was that like? Well, it was really, it was with a really, it was with one of those database email audiences that didn't pay. And we were doing it for timings. That's what we kept telling each other. It's just timings, mate. Don't worry. Artie's like, don't worry, mate. It's just timings. I'm like, I'm not worried. Why would I be worried? <laughs> well, who would be worried about this? So 20 minutes in, this bloke in the front row gets up. Literally, him and his wife, he gets yeah. up. I go, you off, mate? Thinking I'm being quite funny. Yeah. He goes, yeah, we gave it a go. <laughs> For free. For free. <laughs> oh. But you know what? I needed it because yeah. it, I, I just unloaded on that dude. And I, and I really found my rhythm from that point on. I just would have followed that guy to the car park. I was going so hard on him and his wife and just the two of them. And then you're just back. You're like, oh. And then I was like, oh, that's, oh, that's right. That's, this feels good. That's right. That's where you need to be. Yeah. You know, bullying strangers. Bullying <laughs> strangers to make yourself feel okay. It's what you've always done. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> so that was the first time I was like, oh, yeah, this will be all right. And Artie was like, this will be fine, mate. I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then it was. Uh, all right, that, that's the Plug Podcast. 
Did we do our 20 minutes? Oh, 24 minutes. There you go. Um, uh, you can catch Marty on this podcast in the upcoming weeks. But, of course, go and see him uh, at his remaining dates around Australia. Where do they find details? A-list? A-list or, or martysheargold.com. Oh, martysheargold.com. I don't know what that is. No, I was going to say. <laughs> came as a surprise. I, I went A-list, I've got a website, Marty won't have one. I was very surprised when you said... I think I've got a Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 